0: It framed the whole um, journey of Advent for us. And we're coming into the end of this passage about the wise men yet again. So listen carefully, listen well. Matthew 2, verses 10 to 12. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, They departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the gift of your Son, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for making us your people. And we pray that as we hear your word this day, um, our hearts and our minds and our lives would be open to you and open to your direction so that we too might return to our own country, return to our own lives, return to the story that you were writing in us by the way that you choose. You who are the way, the truth, and the life. We pray this in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Uh, so you've, you have heard the story. Uh, we have set the frame. The wise men see a star, and they travel from afar, and they come to... And that's not... I saw this little cartoon earlier. A little boy is asking, like, why'd you put... And they saw the nativity. Why'd you put fire hats on... The wise men said, well, they traveled from afar. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Groans. Right. So they travel from afar and they come to Jerusalem and they encounter Herod, but they aren't distracted by Herod and they make their way on to Bethlehem where they encounter the Christ child. They fall down before Him in worship. They open up their treasures, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold because He is a king and worthy of it. Frankincense because it rises as incense to God. This one is both the King of kings, but also the Lord of lords. He is human and divine. They give Him myrrh, which is a prophetic kind of anticipation that this is the one who will be wrapped and placed in a tomb and anointed with spices, but also the one who will rise again. That has set the frame for us. We recognize that we're not making a physical journey like the wise men. We're making a spiritual one. And so we attended to Psalm 85 as a prayer for Advent where a pattern emerged. We remember God's covenants, His promises. We cry out because we live in a time of struggle, a time of darkness, in a land of deep darkness. And we want the light to come and to shine upon us. We begin to listen to God in the creation, to God in the Scripture. And then slowly but surely we begin to hear. We begin to hear this promise of God that has become incarnate in Jesus Christ, heaven and earth joined again. And we hear of God's promise that what has begun in Christ will be consummated, will be brought to completion, will be brought to that end appointed by God. And so we journey with the wise men, we pray with Psalm 85, and we allow John the Baptist to point us with his finger and with his life to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He helps us continue to make our way to Bethlehem. And then despite all of our efforts, right, despite all of our hard work, we recognize that it is not our efforts that are primary or of primary importance, It's what God has done that's most important. God who became incarnate, we can't make Him do any of that by our effort. We can't make Jesus go to the cross uh, by praying enough or asking enough. It is out of God's grace that He comes. And so we recognize too that the chief end, the chief goal, the telos The point signified by the manger where we come and fall down in worship, the end goal for our lives and for the world is to what? The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. It's not just about knocking ourselves out, trying to make Christmas good this year, despite all the struggles we face. But it's about recognizing what God has done so that we can glorify Him and enjoy Him. So that, that was Advent for us. And then we came, I hope that you were able to, to watch and to take part in the Christmas Eve service where we focused in a little bit on Mary who treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. This amazing gift of God with us. This one who when we feel His weight, the weight of glory, all other burdens begin to disappear. This Christ child is the one who has come, and we were able in whatever way. Whether you were uh, you took a moment to pray on Christmas morning, whether you, like Lily, greeted the world on Christmas Day by singing "Happy Birthday, Jesus," Happy Birthday, Jesus. Whether you watched on Christmas Eve and were guided by the prayers and the beautiful music. However, that took shape uh, for you. Christmas has come. We've celebrated God with us. We've drawn near to the manger. And so is the journey over? Right? Is, is all this time of preparation and then celebration, are we now just on to, well, familiar life? Of course, we celebrate the Christmas season as the church in the, in the calendar. But for so many of us, we're just kind of back to the routine, right? I mean, now the snow's going to melt off today and we're just sort of back at it. But the story that set the frame for us is not quite over, is it? So the wise men come, they see the child, they fall down and worship, they give him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the, even the passage. What was the end of the passage? Being warned in a dream not to return to Herod. They departed to their own country by another way. I mean, there's, that is such a helpful image Because we have come, we have worshipped, and now we're going back to our own country, back to our regular lives. But the warning to the wise men applies equally to us. Don't go back the same way. Don't go back to Herod. Go by a different route. In other words, will your life that you now go back to after Christmas look different? Or was it just like a nice sentimental feeling and kind of we did all this kind of preparation and then we celebrated and now we can just sort of go back to normal? Whatever that looks like, right? Our scriptures seem to indicate that a warning is helpful for us here. As I began to think about this, I recognized that this experience that the wise men had... This experience that we have shared with them as we have prepared and drawn near and then celebrated has actually shown a pattern that has been evident in in my experience as a Christian in different ways and times and places. So here, let me just give you an example. We have a profound um, experience of faith, of worship, of preparation, of uh, offering our hearts to God, of encountering the Lord. And then when you go back to normal life, to your own country, to familiar routines, it's easy to just sort of lose all of that. Not just because you aren't paying attention, but because there are forces at work in the world that are intentionally seeking to draw you away. What was Herod doing with the wise men? He wanted them to come back and to tell him where the child was so that he could do what? Kill him! Get rid of him! Do away with Him. The Herods of the world don't want Christ in our midst or in our lives. The Herods don't want the benefits that Christ's kingship bring. They want to push Him away so that they can establish their own supremacy and have their own way. The church fathers spoke about this in terms of the demons. And so after uh, times of significant prayer, they would experience... Various forms of oppression or attack. And I can say, in my own life, I've experienced some of these kinds of things. When I was in seminary in Pittsburgh, I was part of a group that once a year would hold a devotional conference. And what that looked like was we would get together on Friday afternoon and evening, and we would meet until Saturday afternoon or evening. And during the course of our time, we would... It was a little bit more than 24 hours, and we would worship the entire, entirety of that time. Um, we would sing. We would have times of silence. We would have times of prayer. We would have times where scripture was read. We would have times where spiritual writings uh, were read. Throughout the night, there was a vigil. And this was just a time of incredible sweetness uh, and really significant. You kind of had to gear up for it, 24 hours, right? Um, and it felt like you were really entering into a, a significant labor. Like, this is going to be hard, but I want to offer all of this up to God. Inevitably, after that time was concluded, during the course of the next week, a few of my seminary friends and I and a few other folks, we plan on getting together the next week, and... That week in between the conclusion of our conference and our gathering, it was remarkable, all the stuff that ended up happening. People would get sick. They would have flat tires on their bikes and have wrecks. I mean, it was just ridiculous, but it was always in this week. So these weren't just like, hey, I felt like a sense of depression or heaviness, or it wasn't just like something we would, we would think of as spiritual But it had effect on like bodies because we're not just, you know, um, bodies on a stick or souls that kind of keep a body. We're human beings together, um, body and soul. So folks would get sick. Folks would have accidents. uh, Folks would experience um, temptations in kind of intense ways. They would have dreams that were just scary and weird And you can kind of chalk that up to whatever. But it seems to tie right in with this warning. Not to go back to Herod. After this significant experience that we've had, celebrating Christmas, glorifying God, enjoying Him, coming to be with us, be careful not to go right back to Herod, but maybe we could begin to go back by a different way. Just be paying attention to this. This week. And so I thought, how can we work through that together? How can we think about that practically? Um, typically, when we light the candles on the Advent candle, we think about the gifts of Christ. Christ gives us Himself, God gives us Jesus, and Jesus grants us what? Hope and love and joy and peace. Those are kind of the candles that we light in recognition of those things. And of course, that signifies not abstract ideas, hope and love and joy and peace. Jesus is our hope, right? Jesus is love. God is love, right? Uh, and then joy. Christ is our joy. Christ is our peace. So these signify the fact that God has given us himself, and these are actually part of that. So let's think, just, let's just go through that list and consider what it might look like not to run back to Herod, but to go a different way. So Hope. Herod doesn't want us to have hope. The demons don't want us to have hope because they don't want us to have Christ. So what does that look like? What might steal your hope? Think about your own life. I know this is a, this is a very personal experience. Like what takes your hope away in your life? Uh, very broadly speaking, I thought that we could think about politics, right? Right? Uh, so national politics. I, I've noticed something. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you consider yourself liberal or conservative or Republican or Democrat. Whenever the other party is in power, people feel hopeless. The world's going to end. The The, the country's going to fall apart. Everything that I'm against is now just kind of having its own uh, holding sway. And so people begin to feel hopeless. And depending on what, you know, news articles you read, or what television stations you read, the the tone either seems really full of hope or really completely devastated. But the hope we have in Jesus is something far more permanent. It's not kind of blind faith. It doesn't have anything to do with circumstance of like who's in charge at the moment. It has to do with the fact that God has come to be with us. So when we think about hope, the national level, or maybe the geopolitical level, right? So maybe you've been looking at Russia hacking like every computer in the United States, presumably. Uh, Maybe you've been looking at China who's wanting to up in and kind of change and shape the way that the the power structures are in the world at present. Maybe you look at that and you forecast into the future and say, I don't know how this could end up in any kind of good way. And your hope is just kind of Gone. It's just a cloud of doom out in the the distance. Fast approaching. It's as if we've run back to Herod. Who is Herod? A political figure. All about worldly power. When you go back to Herod, don't go back to Herod, the Scripture says. When you go back to Herod, back to the politics, what happens? It doesn't mean that we're not engaged, but it means that's not where our ultimate hope lies. It's like we forget that The babe who was born, who's been given to us, is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's like we forgot all the passages from Isaiah that we read for a month every time we lit a candle. That when this king returns and establishes his power forever, what happens? Nations shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they practice war anymore. There's your hope. Isn't it? Let's hope in this one. Don't let Herod take it away. Let's go back by a different way. And what about love? Oh man, Christmas at our house looked like just a a big... Bunch of love right there. You know, girls were so sweet, bringing presents, delivering gifts, giving hugs, saying, I love you. Oh, thank you. This is what I always wanted. And then, oh, I don't know, about seven minutes later, it turned into, That's mine. Give it back. I want to, Lily's not letting me play with this. That. The, I don't know where the love went, but it wasn't in the room anymore, right? Took all of seven minutes, you say, all oh, kids. But that's just what human beings do, isn't it? Christmas, God's gift of His Son to us. We feel His love. We love Him, not because we're so good, but we love Him because He first loved us. We received the love, and then just a few minutes later, a bomb goes off in Nashville. And people are back at it. Society is at each other's throats. They're like kids fighting over Christmas presents. Where is the love? We we're fortunate to be able to celebrate with, um, with my parents. And when I first noticed Lily and Anna going back and forth at each other, they were on either side of my mom. Um, and she happened to be holding... I mean, this was such a great parable. She happened to be holding... The story of the Nativity. It was just a little, you know, little kid's book with the story of Christ's birth in it. And she said, "Hey, hey, hey, girls, why don't we read the Christmas story?" Right? Which seems like at first blush, well, that you know, very pious and sweet, right? But then I began to think, like, how quickly we dismiss, how quickly Herod pushes aside, how quickly the demons lead us astray from keeping Christ at the center. Christmas, the whole world comes to the manger. The angels from heaven above, the beasts of the field, human beings, Jews and Gentiles, everyone comes, and the manger takes the center stage of the world. And then we begin dealing with our own gifts and our own stuff and trying to keep it for ourselves and keep it away from others. And we forget and we reorient ourselves. And no longer are we turned with the manger, with Christ at the center of life, but we begin placing ourselves back in the center. And what would it look like to walk a different way? I think it would be to recognize the moments when suddenly the love is gone and to turn and reorient ourselves to God with us, Emmanuel. God's love come down. And then after we reorient ourselves to God's love in us, we can love each other again. So maybe it was a prophetic moment. They came with that suggestion. Maybe we should just read the Christmas story again. Hope and love and joy. It's sort of trite and cliche to say, you know, joy goes a little deeper than happiness. Happiness depends on our circumstances, but joy is something very deep-seated. Joy is a recognition that our circumstances are not always what they appear to be. But there's a truth that goes deeper, a truth that goes beyond what we experience in the world. I think Christians in particular, as we bear joy in our lives through COVID, through pandemic, through all of the struggles of society, we point to that different way. We're like John pointing to Christ. Um, It's like, like the shepherds who recognize suddenly when the angel appeared. And then the heavenly host appeared, seeing glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. When they saw that, they recognized that there was far more to their lives than what they could immediately see. They were carried by that deep joy. Could we go back by another way? Not content to think that our familiar routines, our own country, the field where the shepherds are keeping watch, the place where we go to work or drink our coffee or uh, pick up supper, that, that, that there's more there. We're surrounded by those who praise God. Hope and love and joy and peace. Immediately after Christ's resurrection, when he appeared to his disciples, first words out of his mouth Peace be with you. My peace I give to you. God brings peace not a sword. God brings peace to the world. God brings peace to your heart. Herod wants to snatch it away. The demons want to misdirect us. Peace. Shalom. The kind of peace that isn't just like a good feeling like I'm okay, but peace that touches every aspect of your life and your relationships, society, the world, everything. Christ brings peace. Maybe that's a gift that we could give to the world. I have a a quote. I'm just going to end with a quote from Lieva Amerikakis. who says, a false sense of apostolate, like wanting to take God's good news to the world, sometimes impels us to get involved in controversies that often play into the hands of those who would oppose us. And to no purpose. They, be, they deplete us of the internal peace we have been given. We find ourselves nailed to the world using methods, words, and arguments that are not God's. And then he says, by returning quietly to their homeland full of the joy of the Lord and perhaps we could add the love and the hope and the peace. By returning quietly to their homeland full of the joy of the Lord, the Magi were doing a great deal to preserve the spiritual peace and sanity of the world. See, going back by a different way isn't just so you can keep everything Christ has given you. It's, it's the principal way in which you continue to, to, to bear the gift God gives and offer it to the world. Could you go back by a different way? Jesus says, I'm the way. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.